while every day is going to be a new discovery of who Jesus Christ is, the riches of God's grace, the riches of God's mercy being displayed every day, it's going to be a brand new discovery of all that God has done for us. We'll never get to the point to where it's like, oh yeah, I've heard that, done that, been there. It'll all be brand new. Not that he's recreating those images or those things in our mind. It'll be a new revelation of God's love, and it'll be us saying, I've never thought of it that way before. I've never, I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. The vastness of the love of God being poured out into our lives throughout eternity. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Picking up where we left off last week, but in chapter 2 of Ephesians, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses this morning. I've divided it into three sections, and we're going to look at in verses 1 through 3 our past state, verses 4 through 6 our current state, and verses 7 through 10 our future state. Talking about our position that we once had, what we have, and what we will have as believers in Jesus Christ. Paul seems to interrupt himself as he goes through these verses here in verse 4 he says God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he has loved us even when we were dead in trespasses he made us alive together with him by grace you have been saved I I was curious about I know that they don't have punctuation marks in the Greek it's just not written that way there's no periods no no parentheses and I was curious, why is verse 5, by grace you have been saved, in parentheses, it could have been a hyphen, could have been used there. But the original Greek wouldn't have had any of these things. It seems to be an interruption in his train of thought at this point. But he's got to bring it home in uh, the third point in verses 7 through 10. By grace we have been saved. It has nothing to do with anything that we have done. We have already heard of how our past condition is, our past life was apart from Christ. And even when we were in that past state, God who is rich in mercy, with his great love toward us, he has made us alive together with Christ. Now this is a unique word here in the Bible because I I don't know if we quite, well it's hard for me to envision this. Maybe it's not so hard for you to envision it because there is already this current state, there is this togetherness that he has made us alive together with Christ, verse 5, verse 6. 
He has raised us up together and he has made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I cannot envision sitting in heaven, this side of heaven. But what is being described to us here is what is the theologians have called positional sanctification. This is a position that we currently hold in Christ Jesus. To be sanctified means to be set apart, to make holy, to be sacred. And we have, as believers in Jesus Christ, and it happens the moment we believe, our position in Christ Jesus, as described to us in verses 5 and 6, is that we have been made alive together with Christ. He has raised us up together and has made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is a, a condition that we currently have. We were dead our past life. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. But now we are alive in Christ Jesus together, conjoined together as if a Siamese twins. And what a twin to have, Jesus Christ himself. There's also a progressive sanctification that is talked about in Scripture, and that speaks about the Holy Spirit's work in our life now as he's setting us apart and as he's working out this sin in our life and he's eliminating sin and producing fruit of God in our lives. And it goes on continually in our lives. We've been made alive together with Christ. That's why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul understood, he understood crucifixion. He saw people being crucified. No doubt he had that image and it was just a, an occurrence of the Roman Empire of his day that, you know, when they would crucify, it wasn't like Jesus himself who died on that same day was put in the tomb because God was interjecting the but God. God was working out his plan a normal crucifixion, those people would hang on that cross until their corpses rotted. And it was a great deterrent of crime. Can you imagine going into a city and, well, you know, if I was going to go into any city throughout the world and as I'm entering into the walls of the city and outside the city walls, there are people hanging on crosses, why I think I probably would not want, I'd want to turn around. So forget this. That place doesn't look good. Paul understood the image of the cross to where we have so spiritualized it that it's so cool to have one hanging around your neck. You probably, some of you do today. But it was capital punishment. It was death. And spiritually, we have been made dead to sin that we are alive together with Christ Jesus. It's a position that we have he has raised us up, no longer to live in the death of our past state, but to life in our current state. Colossians 2.12, it says that you were buried with him in baptism. You were raised up with him through faith in the working of God. He has made us alive together with him, having forgive all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements against us, which is contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way and he has nailed it to the cross. We are in such a good state when we're in Christ Jesus, alive together with Christ Jesus. 
to sit together with Christ. I can't wait until the Lord invites me to sit on his throne. Now, I'm not going to dare to try to get on the throne apart from Christ. Grandkids like to take dad's or grandpa's chair every once in a while, and they know what they're doing. It's so much funner when you get to bring them up on your lap. They're sitting with you. And Jesus will one day say to us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Hopefully this isn't you right now, but he's talking to the church when he writes this. It says this, and it's recorded in Revelation 3, 20 and 21. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus said, this is what I've done with my father It's what I'm going to allow you to do with me. We've been sanctified. We are being sanctified, and we will be sanctified. Thinking about the different types of sanctification, positional sanctification, where we're at the moment we believe that we have been our spirit being sanctified. Progressive sanctification, our souls being sanctified as we walk through this earth. But ultimate sanctification is when our bodies will be sanctified in a future resurrection when this mortality will put on immortality corruption will put on incorruption first thessalonians 5:23 as he's closing that out he says now may the god of peace sanctify you completely and your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ how far will christ save you completely your whole not just part of it Not just my body. I remember this from a teenager. I've mentioned it here a few times throughout the years. And I don't know why I remember things sometimes, but I was watching this movie once as a kid. It was probably trying to discover one of the lost gospels. It's been very popular lately. You know, we don't have the whole Bible, and people are saying there are over 200 and something other scriptures that man decided shouldn't be in here. And what they don't tell us is that the over 200 and something scriptures that supposedly by some are saying should be in our Bibles, have been written 200 and 300 years after the time of Christ. They don't even work in the same time period as the New Testament authors. And yet there was this movie about discovering this new gospel, and this guy going to investigate it was uh, teamed up with a, a woman who was a theologian. She knew the Word of God, but that first night she came to the hotel room and offered herself to the guy and he's like i'm confused this is what i've never forgotten she said my mind is god's but my body is my own that's how a lot of us live but the lord jesus christ he sanctified us completely the whole spirit the whole soul and the whole body now ultimately that comes when we stand before our lord but he's in that process of sanctifying our spirit soul and body as we speak And it's not a future in the sense of it's an ongoing work in our lives right now today. And don't let me ever hear you say, my mind is God and my body is my own. No, if you've given your mind to God, you've also given your heart to Jesus Christ. He doesn't take parts of you. He takes the whole soul, mind, soul, and body. And then our future state as we close out in verses 7 through 10, that in the ages to come he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Yesterday at men's breakfast, 
One of the guys said that his daughter asked recently a believer, Dad, is there going to be golf in heaven? I thought, what fun would golf be if you're perfect? But some of the golfers said, some of the golfers said, you know, you got win. You can always kind of have to figure a few things out. I don't know. I don't know that answer. But this is what we do know, according to verse 7, to the ages to come, that he might show us the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What is heaven going to be like? Well, every day is going to be a new discovery of who Jesus Christ is, the riches of God's grace, the riches of God's mercy being displayed every day. It's going to be a brand new discovery of all that God has done for us. We'll never get to the point to where it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard that, done that, been there. It'll all be brand new. Not that he's recreating those images or those things in our mind. It'll be a new revelation of God's love, and it'll be us saying, I've never thought of it that way before. I've never, I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. The vastness of the love of God being poured out into our lives throughout eternity. That the ages to come. God might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, boasting is just kind of part of our nature, isn't it, sometimes? I've been talking about for years. I would love to see stone behind me. Now, I'm a bricklayer, stonemason. I could put stone behind me, but I decided that if we were ever going to get stone back there, I'd rather have Dale, who comes to our church, do it, that I'm not standing up here every Sunday morning behind the work that I did, because that could get to my head. I could sit there and worship and not worship God, but worship the stone that I laid. Did you notice how I put that stone right there? I could do that. We get proud of the stuff that the Lord has allowed us to do, right? Our abilities. And they're God-given talents, God-given abilities. But they're the gifts of God. Not that we should boast. It seems like our whole country is set up on a system of boasting and trying to exceed someone else sports a football season you know there's the competition in that who's going to go to the super bowl baseball who's going to go to the world series there's boasting there's a competitive nature it's just kind of part of our flesh but not when we stand before god that everyday discovery of God's revelation of his riches in verse 7, the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us, we're going to know that it's by grace we have been saved. We're going to know that it's not our good works. It's not anything that we have done, but it's everything that Christ has done. And we're going to know that it is by God's great gift and love toward us that we have been saved. It's an amazing grace, God's amazing grace that he has given to us. There'll be no room for boasting because it's God, it's but God who is rich in his mercy and his great love toward us of which he loved us. He has made us alive together in Christ. He has raised us up together to make us sit together in the heavenly places with 
Christ. It is his wonderful gift that has come to us, as we've already read John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave. And Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. That could be Romans 6.23. I might have wrote the wrong verse down there. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is based off of the work that Jesus Christ did. It's in Christ Jesus. It surrounds the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.17 tells us, For if by one man's offense, Adam sinning, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. It is no room for boasting, no works, no boasting. We're going to stand before the Lord and all of earth's boasting and competition. It's going to forever be removed because we're going to realize the great wonder of our Savior and the salvation that he has afforded to us and how unworthy we are to receive it or to even deserve it. 1 Corinthians 1, 29, 30, and 31, it says that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Any righteousness, any sanctification, any redemption that we receive, it's because Jesus Christ has first went to the cross. He was buried, he resurrected, and he has become our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption. We cannot do it apart from Christ. And don't let anyone in this world try to tell you different. Don't trust man, trust God's word. And then we close in verse 10. It's a wonderful verse. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. We're his workmanship. I like to work with my hands. God's gifted me to do that. And I like to create things. And uh, one of the most recent things that I built was a bed for my grandson. If you want to see a picture, I have one on my phone. No boasting, no pride. <laughs> or we could bring the bed now. Anyways. It's interesting, the process. I didn't draw anything out. I was in the hardware store. I was at Home Depot. I was looking at wood, and suddenly I thought, I can do this, this, and this, and I can put this thing together. And a year later, <laughs> I finally got around to it and was able to create. But I didn't create something out of nothing. I created something out of something, and I also created something that has been created before. We all have slept in beds, right? We've, we see them every night, so we're very familiar. But God, we are his workmanship, and he's created something in us that is unique in each one of us. We have all been saved through Jesus Christ, but the work that God does in our lives as believers, it's unique in each one of us because God knows that we are going to touch people in different ways. He knows the potential that we have. We are his workmanship. And he has created, he is creating something beautiful for his glory out of you and out of me. We're his workmanship. 
were his workmanship. wonder if he stands in pride over his work in my life. As a builder, you know, you like to stand in pride. Well, the Lord's a creator. He's a builder. We're his workmanship. We've been created for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. Now, it's not just for doing good things, but God has specific things that he has for each one of us to do. We're his workmanship. He's prepared these works beforehand that we should walk in them because he knows what it will take to reach someone out there that perhaps we know and perhaps at this point we don't know. But he knows how if I interject John into this place or if I put uh, someone else into this place, then that person can learn about my love. We're his workmanship. And, and the oddest thing is that sometimes our trials speak volumes in other people's lives. And we wonder, God, why do I have to go through stuff like this? And God says it's for the eternal glory. It's for something you can't see right now. But you're my workmanship. And, and don't worry, once you're with me, you'll understand. And what I'm causing you to go through now, though it's painful now, well, I'm, I'm making a diamond out of the rough. I'm preparing you for my glory for my praise. We are to walk. That word for walk simply means our way of life, our path that God has set before us. God has laid out a plan for our lives. I didn't know that preaching was going to be part of my plan. I didn't know that when I was graduating high school. But that's where the Lord brought me through the years. And I can look back and see some of those moments and decisions, how God was kind of kind of maneuvering my path and it's sometimes closing me in to make sure I get through the right door because I'll go through many doors if they're open. And sometimes God will allow other doors to be open. But he has a determined path for your life, but he gives us free will. And for us to know the right path is to get into the will of God. That's probably one of the harder things to know, isn't it? But know this as we close out. Know this, that we had a past state, but that's all past. No longer are we dead in trespasses and sin. No longer do we walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air and the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. No longer do we conduct ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and mind. No longer are we by nature the children of wrath because of our current state. But God, who is rich in mercies, he's interjected into our lives. He's his great love, which he has loved us. He has made us alive together in Christ. He has raised us up together with Christ. And he has seated us together in the heavenly places with Christ. Now, he says that's current. That's happening now. It's our position that we have in Christ but yet we also know it's a future state. That in that future state, the ages to come, that God will be showing his exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's going to be a new discovery every day. And we'll be saying, it'll be jaw-dropping. I just, I just feel it's going to be jaw-dropping. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. I'm sorry I, I got mad at you. I, I didn't know what you were wanting to do for me. 
And in that place, and when we're receiving the great gifts of God, there'll be no room for boasting because we will see once and for all that we are his workmanship, that we have been and that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared for us. Father, we pray that your word would just continue to work in our hearts. Thank you so much that our past state is not our past state. But I pray, Lord, if, if verses 1 through 3 describe someone here today, I pray that they could discover the richness of verses 4 through 10 and that they could do that this very day. And Lord, if we're in that current state of verses 4 through 6 and just kind of struggling in this life and wondering what's going on, Lord, may you just once again remind us of your rich mercy, your great love toward us. May you keep our eyes on that eternal hope. Thank you, Lord, that we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Help us to walk in them. Help us to be faithful. We pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.